Good morning. Hopefully you're seeing a screen photo of some water cascading over a dam. Um, when Alan asked me if I'd be interested in sharing about restoration, I immediately said yes, because my chosen work is in restoration, albeit of streams. I thought I'd deal with restoration every day. And then I thought, what do I know about restoration in the kingdom of God? Well, turns out there's a lot of similarities, and I'd like to walk through a few of those today. Um, so let's just start with a um, definition. What is restoration? We think about restoration maybe of a piece of furniture or a chair. Well, you can watch a YouTube video and figure that, figure out how to do that. It doesn't take too long. Um, think about restorative justice. Well, that's maybe years or decades worth of trainings and practice. And it gets complicated when you're dealing with society and people and things that aren't just inanimate objects like furniture. So generally, we'll think of restoration as to make new or to make whole again through a conscious change. So this restoration process starts with acknowledging that something is wrong. As in this photo here, for many years, this dam has stood in place, but we've recently realized that that has now become a barrier to fish that are migrating up the stream and it's no longer serving um, to provide the ecological connectivity that exists in a free flowing stream. That might also be a slow degradation, <clears throat> excuse me, of what was once good, a damaged or lost relationship that is now a barrier to fully embracing that fellow human being or some societal construct or law that's now obsolete or irrelevant or damaging at best. So once we acknowledge that the restoration is needed, how do we go about that process? It requires a vision beyond your current status. You may not know exactly what they will look like, <clears throat> what that restoration will look like, but you go about it anyway because you believe that its benefits are worthwhile. So we just blow the dam, right? In restoring the stream, get rid of it all at once, make it happen. Well, it turns out releasing all that water all at once can be very problematic downstream. You can cause a lot more damage than you had intended to solve. So we look at restoration as a long process. We plan it out with reasonable foresight, work with committees, take surveys, follow the process for approval of the change. You thought I was talking about a church process. This is actually the ecological restoration process as well. And it's very similar for restoration in the church. So within that, we engage all voices, consider all opinions, and listen to everyone. Because everybody has a perspective on the story, and everybody is part of everybody's story. Um, so we engage all parties. Once we have that developed, we implement the best available plan. With that in mind, we bring in the excavator, we bring in the equipment, we make the decision, and we make it so that it all proceeds as according to the plan. Now, once we bring in that equipment, we do need to manage the expectations. It's not recognizing that not all the results are immediate. In this photo, um, if it's coming through, you should be able to see the stream in the background. You can see where we wanna get to, but we're not there yet. It takes time and process to get through that. And we need to allow grace and changes on the fly during construction. I have made, we as a church, both East Chestnut Street and globally have made mistakes along the way. We need to own our mistakes, acknowledge them and apologize for them if we are to have trust in that community we're trying to rebuild. And during that process, once we're implementing that plan, we need to recognize that that restoration process may be messy. When you first take out a dam, there's a lot of mud that's left there. The stream banks don't look great. It's not headed in the direction we want it to be in the long-term goal. But overall, we, as long as we acknowledge that it can be messy and we move in the right direction, we'll get further towards our goal. So on that road to restoration, when does it start and when does it end? What starts with, as John indicated there, the voice of John calling in the wilderness, is there something better to come? There's something better here now among us. 
we need to recognize that. And then during the journey, you keep that long-term goal in mind to help you stay on the road. Whether it's a dam you're trying to remove, relationship you're working to repair, a societal norm that you're trying to break, such as Black Lives Matter, or a core tenant of the church that you're looking to change or modify. When you've been on the road for several years, it can be hard to see those results and improvements. So it's critical at times to step back and think about where you've come. Think about that picture of the dam in the beginning, it's just cascading water. It sort of looks a little bit scenic, but the reality is it's a barrier to fish passing up that stream. It does not provide the ecological connectivity we're looking for. In the middle of the process, it got awfully muddy. But when you start thinking about the site not a year afterwards, you could hardly even tell there was a dam here. The trees have been planted and the forest is growing. Things will be improving. We've made more progress than you think in the middle of the journey. So in summary, we look forward to the day when we can come home shouting with joy and celebrating the hard restorative work that the church and Christ have been up to. As Kate said in the introduction, this is hard work. It's not always easy. But someday with the psalmist, we can shout that our, with the psalmist, we can claim that our mouths will fill with laughter and our tongues will exclaim with shouts of joy when this restoration is underway because we know that in the end, the result is well worth the journey. Today, it's a special joy for our congregation to be receiving Laura and Andrew into membership in our church. These good folks were part of a membership retreat that we held back on a cold but sunny Saturday morning back in October out in our church courtyard. We were sitting there with our stocking caps on and uh, warm drinks in our hands. At that retreat, we reflected, as we often do at these times, on Psalm 1 and its rich imagery of trees being planted by God's stream of water. I didn't realize how wonderful or how much that fits with what Tyler was just sharing with us. And we looked at membership as our response to the question, where do we wish to be planted? Where do we wish to be planted? At that retreat, we also reflected on what drew Laura and Andrew to our community. We reflected on the 141-year sweep of church history at East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. We, many of you have seen that uh, long uh, uh, butcher paper strip of paper that uh, we have that records the history of our church. We reflected on the mission of our church here in the city and how we're organized and structured. And uh, we also talked about what gifts these two folks would like to share with us that they're not already sharing with us already. So it was a rich time of reflection uh, together. We've invited both of them to share briefly about their journeys of faith with, uh, with us here, and uh, Laura will begin first. Thanks, Pastor Todd. First, I want to extend a special welcome to both Andrew's family and my parents who are here with us this morning on Zoom 
um, Jeff and Donna Pauls are Andrew's parents, as well as Nathan, Andrew's brother. And my parents are Harold and Karen Thomas. So a warm welcome to them. I grew up in the Mennonite Church at East Petersburg Mennonite Church in East Petersburg, and I was baptized when I was 10 years old. I was pretty immersed in that context of the Mennonite Church until I attended four years of undergraduate college at Eastern University in St. David's, Pennsylvania. And I kind of took a break from Mennonite Church and culture. But that time in separation kind of helped me know that it was something that I wanted to come back to. I really admire the way that Mennonites and Anabaptists value peace, serve others, live simply, seek justice, and center Jesus and scripture in our faith. Pastor Todd asked why I went to become a member at ECSMC. And honestly, I have so many reasons, but I'll try to narrow it down. I replied that I think of this community and I see a virtual cloud of witnesses for Jesus's peace and justice. People who are dedicated to following Christ and serving others in our community and people that collaborate well together. I appreciate how your understanding of the gospel extends far beyond reading and discussing Jesus's teachings and is oriented toward reaching out to our community in Lancaster City. It's evident that all you do is rooted in your love for God and neighbor. I also appreciate how women are elevated as leaders and their perspectives are valued and sought out. I love that the word patriarchy can sometimes be heard on a Sunday morning because it acknowledges the real pain that I and other women often feel in religious US contexts. It feels healing or perhaps restorative to experience women's perspectives and gifts being uplifted here. I appreciate lots of other things about East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church as well, such as our creation care efforts, concern for the well-being of our neighbors, hymn singing, and the way that children are recognized as individuals with unique and valuable perspectives. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the impact of our small group that we're part of, which consists of Claudia and Bob Smucker, Kristen and Trace Oberholzer, and Mim Book and Jim Lapp. These friends give Andrew and I unconditional support and acceptance, life advice, and a good dose of humor every month as we meet over Zoom. Together with my role as part of the Identity Work Group, these relationships affirm my desire to be part of a community that welcomes me and Andrew, um, that welcomes me as Andrew's partner and as an individual, but also challenges me to think critically and change my perspectives if needed. I welcome your accountability. You East Chestnutters have helped me in guiding me towards a God that loves the marginalized, and you make Jesus's love a verb that's more than just a children's song. Y'all are people with whom I'm glad to surround myself.
I'd also like to thank our families for joining us this morning. It's lovely to see your faces. So be sure to give them a warm Zoom welcome. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll start with my origins and my faith journey. I grew up attending Kinzer Mennonite Church about half an hour east of here on Route 30. And Kinzer Mennonite was a community-based church um, made up of members and, and attendees from the community, but also a community church in the sense that it, it served people at the community and often people who are at the, at the margins of society. So that along with my upbringing from my parents um, led me to follow a Jesus that, that reaches out to people. When I attended Goshen College, that layered in a sense of a Jesus that reaches out to people, but with a layer of justice. Um, sort of a faith that's facing and rooted in equity and equality. So East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church blends a lot of those things together um, with care and support for other people at the center of, of what we do here both internally amongst ourselves during prayer time and also the outward facing with, with Monday night meals, um, this, the proposed idea to sing Christmas carols at the prison, which unfortunately isn't happening, but um, just things like that that really show our care for people in our community. I also think East Chestnut Street Mennonite has a beautiful blend of what I'll call heart, head, and hands. So by heart, I mean a connection between, a connection to the divine, a, a spiritual rootedness. By head, I mean we engage scripture in a way that questions it, that interprets it, and, and tries to understand the original meaning. And by hands, I mean, once again, the reaching out to our community. So all of those things are reasons that I'm interested in joining East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church, but I'm not sure if it would have happened quite as quickly without the support and, um, and acceptance of our small group. I think um, the small group sort of gave us a concentrated version of the congregation, sort of, a, a sort of diving in headfirst. It, it drew us in deeper. The, the small, our small group is so supportive and, and caring and kind. So it's easy to see that the rest of the congregation will be no less caring and kind and supportive. East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church is a place that feels familiar with the hymn singing and, and theology, yet it also feels like a place where I will be challenged and held accountable. And I think that being a member at East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church will help me in my movement toward following a Jesus that reaches out. 